wants to jump. 1,000 cars. Sir, you have a 1,000 cars. I don't think I'd attempt to try this stunt. Or we, we owe this horsepower to Uncle Sam. <laughs> Too many cars. Car. You know, roses would be... Uh... Like, I put my beer belly on it. Yeah. And you can't immediately tell somebody how many cars you have. You'll really give those uppity yuppies something to think about. Stay on the bar. Don't go yeah. off the bar with your Bronco. 1980 Volvo horns, what's right? Like, me, me. Yeah, the man's coolant. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought it'd be small. It's for a small car. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's still an automatic transmission. They're never going to be light. It's definitely going to have to crash. Starting off with Brad buying another car. That's the West. <laughs> Internet. You know, is this a Nigerian oil print? Uh, I also wish you drove a tan Camry. Anyways, anyway, that, that's har- a horrible, very horrible podcast content. Very inside joke. Welcome to Auto Off Topic. Hello, Brad. What is going on, Andrew? Oh, you know, the usual. Um, unfortunately, you know, might as well get right into it. We ended last week on a really bummer note. Yeah, it was kind of a very sour end of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I, everybody basically learned at that moment that uh, Ken Blockett pressed, passed away. Yeah, the automotive world bummer. stopped at what? Eight o'clock my time, eight o'clock mountain time. So Some, six o'clock. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. No, wait, all the way around. Ten o'clock. Yeah. Eastern time. Yeah, it was definitely uh quite a quick shock we all got there. So I had a lot of whole week of reflecting on Ken Block. I you know, it's not I'm not like broken up about it because it's not my family, which I feel bad for their family, but for sure, for sure. It's it's an interesting spot to be in because, you know, it's not like a normal celebrity death, quote unquote, because this person was in our circle. You know, we don't know the man personally. We've both, I think, seen or met him. And yeah, a couple of times. He yeah. com- and, and he competes in the same events that people who are, I, I would consider friends and family, you know, compete in. So it's not just some, you know, in the ether celebrity we didn't know about. It was somebody who was, I don't know how to, what the proper wording is, but he was very, very well known, obviously outside of the small world of the rally, you know, community, but inside the rally community, he was even a bigger person than he is outside the community because he was such a well liked and respected individual, even if, you know, you didn't really know him well you didn't know anybody who didn't like him you know he was he was a good guy he he was i think i said it last week he was one of the best ambassadors for the sport of rally that at least american rallies ever had well nobody had ever done anything close to professional with it in the u.s so to speak not to his level for sure not to his level professional but never Publicly, there was never the uh, the Hoonigan media machine there that he cre- he he was instrumental in creating is is something that was never done before. There was never it was never so public that rally existed here in the United States. It was always kind of a niche community that kind of kept to themselves and wished that maybe there was a bigger community surrounding them. But I think Ken Block was one of the first to really bring that community out and and do it well. So speaking of that, that's, I didn't know 
who he was or who Travis Pastrana was before 2005. I just, Correct. I wasn't a skate kid. I had no idea who these, these guys were. All of a sudden we're at main forest rally and there's these two new guys and everybody's like, Oh yeah, those are the, that's the DC shoes guy. And that's the action sports guy, Travis Pastrana. And I'm like, I don't know who they are, but apparently they have a ton of money and that's what they're doing. And I was yeah, initially I, like very skeptical of this. I was like, right. Oh, that's cool. These guys just coming in carpet baggers, but yeah, <laughs> but they both proved their worth, you know, maybe not as the world's fastest rally drivers, but they were pretty quick and they won some championships. And obviously, you know, the money had a lot to do with that, but they also weren't there as a joke. You know, they, they both came into the sport and they, they took it seriously. They wanted to win. They wanted to be fast. They wanted to do it right. And that's something that can't be said for a lot of other, I guess the term is gentleman racers in other sports, right? The guy who buys his seat in an IMSA car or buys his seat in a Lamborghini Trofeo challenge car. Like they're, they were truly into it and they wanted to do good and they improved and improved and improved and did do good and won events and won championships. And again, they were what the sport needed to get new blood into the sport because not only were they known to a whole different community of people with the dirt bikes and the skateboards and the clothing line and all that stuff. But they also endeared themselves. Like I said, to everybody, they were just, I'm saying that they, they were, but obviously Pastrana's still around, but just in, in general, the two of them were really good for the sport because they were good people. They were good with the crowd. They were good personalities. And I don't know. There's it's, it's, it's a huge loss to not only the sport of rally, but obviously the entire world because it was an important was so time big. for rally because the SCCA had just given up on it. Yep. And rally America came around in oh four oh five. I think that was the first season. Oh five was the first season of rally America. Yeah, it sounds about right. And you know, it was like nobody knew how it was going to go. And then to have these two big name stars, it it really helped. And it's probably yep. where why rally. You know, it's not, we still haven't gotten a, a WRC round back here, but it's got a lot more going for it now than it did, you know, 15 years ago. Yeah, for sure. For sure. There's not, there's, there's a lot more events. There's a lot more series. There's a lot more smaller events now too, because of all this. And, you know, I think a lot of it can be directly linked back to Pastrana and Block entering the sport. So, and not only in the sport itself, but just automotive culture in general. And I, again, there are negative connotations that have come along with some of the Hoonigan content, I think. But at the same time, they're putting out videos that people want to watch and they're getting new people involved in cars. And at a time when people are saying that the, the car hobby is dying, you know, the Hoonigan videos and the Hoonigan people are saying, no cars aren't dying car culture is just as strong as it's ever been. And we're going to show you every side of car culture. And I think that's what I appreciate about Ken block and the Hoonigan and what they've all, what they've done yeah. for the community. Cause they, they've brought everything together. Like you can watch their channel and you can see a, a 73 Caprice on 31 inch wheels, drag racing, or you can see a drift car or you can see a traditional hot rod or you can see an old school like rail hot rod from the sand drags. Like there's everything that exists in automotive culture exists in that world. And they certainly don't hold back. They show it all. So I, I appreciate that. Everybody gets a 
fair shake with their with their thing. And some people might not want that attention drawn to their side of the hobby, but you know what? The more people, the better. So I'm into it. And we can thank Ken Block for that because Ken Block started Hoonigan with Brian Scotto. So mm-hmm. without Ken Block, there is no Hoonigan. Right. And it, it, it may be outside of our, I guess, demographic now as a general rule, but I still enjoy some of their videos and they're fun. I think the biggest thing is that they like having fun with cars. And that's our biggest thing is we like having fun with cars. So. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, the first Jim kind was really, really cool. I was already deep. I had already bought my Subaru at the time. Sure. So it was just like, oh, this guy's doing some cool stuff. Um, But it didn't, you know, I've said it before. What, what got me was Gran Turismo. That's what really... We we're already into cars, and then playing Gran Turismo is what we got into the JDM side sure. of cars. So that's, I think that goes for most people. But who are I guess for a lot of other people, like, I'd say like the thirty-five to forty-five age bracket. That's what got them into the cars they're into. But people younger than us, people who are, you know, twenty to or let's let's even go back to sixteen, like, like licensure age. So people who are sixteen to 30, 35 years old, they got into cars because of YouTube videos. You know, if, if they didn't get into yeah. it because of family members and friends, they got into it because of watching YouTube videos, and that's why the surge in popularity in drifting happened because drifting came to the United States as YouTube was building, and it just naturally fit because what looks cooler than cars sliding around a racetrack? Not much. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and then also drifting fits into skate culture. So if you, it's very similar, very, very similar. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you've been at a drifting event yet, other than the one that was at uh, Atlanta. We went to Grid Life. Yeah, I saw the Grid Life drifting event. I haven't been to like a small. Yeah, a grassroots, grassroots one yet. is more like watching kids at a skate park. Sure. Where everybody's just kind of going out, doing their tricks, you know. Having a good time. Somebody's good videoing time. it. Exactly. Selling it on DVD later. So if you were a skate kid, it's a pretty easy progression to get into drifting. Right. Um, which I still want to try some drifting. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I really would like to, but I never have a car I'm willing to go drifting with. So, Well, if you find yourself up here in the warmer weather, we do know enough people that do it. And if you're here during an we event, we can definitely we get ride along. We should go get a ride along. Yeah, for sure. That's that's. In my list of things to do is get a ride along, hopefully in the next in the next couple of you know, year or so, I guess I'd say. Which again kind of comes down to like this is why we liked, oh, well, I shouldn't say past tense. Why we like Hoonigan because we are in the same, we have the same idea that we like all car culture. Yep. Yeah, we're brand uh, brand agnostic and uh, car we like agnostic. But well, listen, we, we can have you can have a preference. You know, and and I said that all the time. We always say that, that we're, you know, Mitsubishi apologists. We love our Mitsubishis. But at the same time, go in my collection of garbage in the backyard and there's four Toyotas at a Porsche and a Ford and or a Mercor and whatever. But there's other cars that are Mitsubishis and I have a Chevrolet and I have, I don't know, what else do I have, Andrew? I can't even think anymore. Too many cars. I don't know. Mazda. So there's, there's certainly, while we do have that, full on yeah we love our mitsubishis but we definitely have other things you you're also an infinity guy now remember you have all the infinities it's true i do i love those nissans 
Right. So we're all in the same boat. We all have stuff we like and sure we have a preference and you know what you know, right? Like I'm super comfortable driving a Starion because I've owned what five or six of them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I wanted to try out that 944 because it's like a German version of the same kind of car. And I want to try out an RX-7 and I want to try out these Toyotas and I fell in love with my dumb Cressidas and now I have a Corolla. Where did all this come from? Who knows? It just one day I woke up and I was a hoarder. I always, it always goes back to me being a hoarder, Andrew. Let's go back to remembering Ken Block. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got to go back and start watching some more of the some of the Jim Connor videos again. I've only because my son got into them, like so we were sure. watching. He really liked the Electric Connor one, and he likes okay. the new one. Uh, and I tried to I showed him. Yeah, he likes the one with the Mustang. Um, I don't know if he really liked the truck one. I bet he will. I'll show it to him again. Do you know why he will? Because it's cars sliding around. Yeah. That's all it is. It's universally awesome. Yeah. But, and I tried to show him the one, my favorite one, which is the third one in the, in France at that like old racetrack with the, the velodrome. Yeah. With like the ridiculous banking. That's one of my favorite ones. Okay. That's a good one too. And then I think I tried to rewatch the San Francisco one with him. He wasn't quite in it, into it. We'll we'll try it again because that's a cool one too. That's the one with the big, huge jump in the Fiesta, right? Yep, and the sideways jump drift. Yep, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, it's, I bet he'll appreciate all that eventually. And and it was it was totally like coincidental that we had. A few episodes ago, talked about well because we were talking about the new Gymkhana that dropped with Travis Pastrana. We were talking about how good the old ones were, and I was saying it. It really, a lot of what is in there is some of the greatest car stuff that's been filmed, like action sequences with cars. No, I agree. Better than a lot of movies. Oh, it absolutely. Doesn't fit, into the, doesn't fit into the plot of a movie. It's just out having a good time with a car. Yeah. And I fully enjoy all of it. So, you know, it's a super bummer to lose them. Uh, I hope that I'm, I'm assuming that they'll keep making them because I bet the guy would well, want that. Well, Pastrana <laughs> does them as well. Yep. So, and Ken's daughter is a up and coming rally driver. Yeah, we'll see. So my assumption is that we're going to see some with Ken's daughter and Pastrana together. And then probably some other rally drivers as well. I mean, there's plenty of drivers in American rally and plenty of drifters that can do a lot of the same stuff in the car that they can do. And, you know, I I don't want to be callous about it here, but at the end of the day, money is money and they want to make money. So those videos make money or they wouldn't keep making them. Right. So there's still going to be videos that just they're going to be lacking something without or just knowing that. Unfortunately, Ken Block is not going to make any more. So oddly enough, just today, uh, I was scrolling through Instagram and there I was served a video of Ken Block driving his snowmobile. He was unfortunately, you know, killed while driving, showing how fast it was and how many cool tricks it does. And it was posted by Ken Block three weeks ago. Odd that it got served up today, huh? That is odd. It was a yeah, it was a bit of like a, oh, this is off-putting. It's weird. <clears throat> Putting away Instagram for the day. 
So, but no, it was, it was a little sad, but Hey, at the same time, it's also nice to have that memory of you forever. Right. Yeah. And I've been meaning to, I haven't had a chance, but I, I, well, I put them on my Flickr page. I have a bunch of pictures that I've, I took of him over the years at mostly Maine forest rallies. Sure. Um, that was pretty cool putting those together. Yeah. I mean, I, I just saw him at SEMA. Yeah. You know what? A month ago, a month and a half ago, we had, yeah. uh, we had, we had breakfast one morning with, uh, with him giving a keynote speech huh. while watching Electricana. That's you know, cool. It's just, yeah. Yeah. That's how they kicked off uh, SEMA this year. It was a uh, breakfast with Brian Scotto and Ken Block and they had all of the, the media and people in a room together. And they showed us the whole Electricana video, introduced it with Ken with uh, Ken Block and Brian Scotto, introduced the video, and then had a sit down like interview session with them. So that was you know just a month and a half ago. Yeah, I so never liked definitely... to fawn over celebrities, so I never really, you know, I'd see him at a rally, and it's just like yeah, it's a normal dude, just here to yep. run his race, and yep. kind of left him alone. Didn't I never wanted to bother him because you know. But that's the thing. They were always, he was, he was always open to fans and they were always, he was always signing sure. autographs. That was really cool to see. And same thing goes, Pastrana does the same. He's very open to fans. Like he's always making time to let, sign stuff for kids when you see him. And it's like, that's, that's nice to see. Yeah. hundred percent. Like that I said, it, it, never a bad thing is said about either of them. So. No. No, they, there's a lot of uh, egos in racing, and there's been a lot of uh, egotistical drivers over the years, but uh, these guys were not. Nope. I think a lot of it has to do with they know where they came from. You know, they know that they're yeah. self-made kind of guys. They kind of did it all themselves. So anyway, sad days. Yeah. So on that note, what do you got going on? Oh, where do you want to start? You want to start talking about uh, project car stuff? Yeah, go for it. All right. So project car positives or negatives first? What do you want to go with? Give me the bad news. All right. Bad news is the Mercor is down. So I walked out of my house probably about a week ago and I smelled gas and I said, Hmm, that smells like gas. Was it bad gas? Didn't think, didn't think, yeah, bad gas, always bad gas around here. Didn't think much of it and got in the eclipse and drove away, came home and said, Hmm, that smells like gas. Sometimes stronger, sometimes not as strong. Didn't have a chance to look at it. Pulled the cover off of the Mercor. And the gas smell was super strong. I was like, oh, that's definitely not good. Opened the door to the Mercor and got in the Mercor, and the fuel smell was... Knocked me off my feet almost inside the car. Super bad. I was like, oh, no, what's happening right now? Went to turn the car on, the battery was dead. All right. <laughs> this, is, this is okay. So I'm charging the battery, and I'm just kind of poking around the car. And I looked under the car at the fuel tank. Because I figured I had, before I brought it home, I had literally just filled it with fuel. So maybe 
the top of the tank has some issue, like a sending unit seal is bad, or maybe the filler neck goes in, maybe the rubber is cracked and it's leaking out of there, maybe that's what's happening. So I'm crawling around the back of the car and I don't see any wet spots. I can't figure out where the fuel is coming from. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw a drip. I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder what's dripping. And I looked a little closer and I realized that the fuel pump is in the middle of the car, like an inline fuel pump, and it dripped. And I was sat there and I'm watching it again and it dripped again. And it dripped again. So okay well once the battery finished charging i plug the battery back in actually let me go back to that story real quick charge the battery for hours nothing happened went to go look at it and for some reason my charger was charging at six volts not 12. <laughs> my charger is an automatic charger like it doesn't uh-huh. have a switch for 12 or 6. yep so i don't know if the battery was just so dead that it did, thought it was a six volt battery that can happen happened. sometimes but nonetheless it did not charge the car at all after being plugged in all day long so I had to, you know, reset it, and it, I actually looked at the screen, and it said 12 volts. So hmm. I let it charge for the rest of the day again. Went out the next day, put the key in, turned the key just to the on position, not quite start the car, and I looked into the car and just saw the fuel pump just spraying fuel everywhere. Oh, fun! So something in the fuel pump went bad because I tried tightening it and it didn't do any good. It's like, uh, it sounds like a canister fuel pump. It's a canister fuel pump, yep. Interesting. Well, at least it's under the car, you know, to drop the tank. Yeah, it's it's a very simple one to deal with. I just I ordered a new one. Unfortunately, I have no job right now, so parts are expensive when you don't have a work. So I bought a nice Bosch one. I didn't want to cheap out. So as we all learned from the Starion, we know what happens when you cheap out on fuel pumps. So I'm not, weird. Not, not cheaping out in a fuel pump. I bought the nice Bosch one. And once that gets in here, I'll the ethanol and the, 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 the fuel ate the seals or something. Who knows? It doesn't look original. It looks pretty shiny and clean. Bad gas. So my assumption is, yeah, my assumption is that it was replaced sometime fairly recently, and it's just an aftermarket one that fell apart. Strange. It seems to be the way of things nowadays, anyway, right? So don't make them like they used to. They don't. So that's. Again, part of the reason that I bought the Bosch one because I don't want to do the job twice again. So I'm not going to do the job twice. So I went ahead and I ordered that. So that car is sitting. Um, unfortunately, it was in the very front of the driveway in front of all the cars. <laughs> so I did push it. But my goodness, that car is not a Corolla or a Colt. It is quite heavy to push by yourself. So thankfully... Naomi was able to help me push it because she's having foot surgery Friday. So after this week, she won't be able to help me push for like eight weeks. What is love but pushing broken cars? Yeah, well, that's it's part of the deal around here, right? Most of the cars I can push myself, like the Colts and the Corolla and all of them are pretty lightweight. But <laughs> it's good because they usually broke it down. Oh, that's, I mean, you say it like it's a joke, but there's more truth to that than most other things. Anyway, so that car is down for the count, unfortunately, until that part comes in and I get around to fixing it. So the car behind that is the Brown 80 Corolla. So I was like, all right, you know what? I will push the car to the end of the driveway so I can get the Corolla out of the backyard and I'll use the Corolla. Or it was first Saturday, so I'll use the 944, which is the next car back, to go to Porsches at 424. 
So I went to get in the Corolla, and the Corolla's dead. <laughs> Super annoying. Now, now I'm just like, all right. The world obviously doesn't want me driving old cars today. So the Mercor has a draw. I know it has a draw. It's always had a draw. Maybe, maybe it's the fuel pump. <laughs> um, and I just, I expect it to be dead because I forgot to unplug the battery. It's fine. The Corolla, however, was just driven four days prior, five days prior to go pick up that uh, desk that I picked up to build model cars in. So it should be fine, but it's not. So I put the charger on that all day long. I come back out to it. It says 12.6 or 12.5 or whatever the voltage is with nothing powered on. Mm -hmm. So fully charged, right? Still won't start. It's just making that like the clicking noise of the Bendix not being able to turn. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I'll do the old trick and I'll smash the starter with a hammer. You can't because it's it's completely encapsulated behind the left motor mount and behind the exhaust manifold. Oof. So I, I was able to get like a, a crowbar in there. I just kind of hit the crowbar, but that didn't help either. So chatting with you guys and some other people on our Discord again, Come hang out on Discord. It's fun. Chatting on Discord, everybody's like, well, it sounds like it might be a bad sell on the battery. Maybe there's not enough cold cranking amps. Now, have you ever had a battery that had enough volts but not enough cold cranking amps? No, but I've had one on the bad sell. We know of a couple other people that had one on the bad sell recently. Was it a fairly new battery? Yeah, 21. Like, batteries in the, like, the last two years, awful quality. Extremely expensive, awful quality. Like yeah, we'll talk all about the batteries. expensive part in a minute. Yeah. Like I had, I bought an Optima Red Top for the Talon in April, like 2020. It had a bad sell, April 2021. Hmm. Like, luckily it was all well, full warranty, and the one in there seems to be okay. Well, this battery was dated 7 of 21. Yeah, seven of twenty-one, which Not would that mean old. it was a year and a half old. Seven of twenty-one. Yeah. No, that's yeah, all of twenty-two. So yeah, in, oh in, yeah, not about, that old about at all. A year and a half. So it's a year and a half old, but unfortunately, yeah. I didn't own the car a year and a half ago. Doesn't and matter. The previous owner didn't own the car a year and a half ago, so we didn't have the phone number of who bought the battery. It doesn't matter. The battery's got the date code on it. You it doesn't do it that way. No, that's bullshit. Yeah, because you move, you can take those stickers off, move them around. You need to have, you need to have the phone number of who bought the battery. So I don't know who bought the battery. It's the car. The car had one owner from 1980 till 2019, and then it had like five owners from 2019 till me. So no idea who bought the battery. Unfortunately, I had to buy a battery. So I decided I was going to be cheap because I had bad luck with batteries lately. And all the batteries are like $179.99. So expensive. It's so much annoying. money. This is why I invest. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy the, I'm going to spend the 30, 40 bucks on battery tenders because it's too expensive to yes. buy batteries. Yeah. I do have a new battery tender. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so I started shopping around at who has the cheapest batteries because I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a cheap battery. I don't care. It's only going to last two years anyway. I'd rather spend 50 bucks on a battery than $200 on a battery. So Walmart lists a battery for $55. Big 
bait and switch. It's got one year warranty on it. I'm like, that's fine for 55 bucks. If it dies in a year, I don't even care. It's a warranty. If it dies in two years, it was $55. It's almost a quarter of the price of the parts store battery. I'll go get it. So we drove over there, brought our battery core, Naomi and I in the Eclipse. We get there and they have the $55 battery, but the posts are backwards. They don't have a battery in stock that's anywhere near the same size with the posts in the right direction. So any of the many Walmarts around you? I'm not driving around all night looking for a Walmart. I'm 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 already annoyed. So I just was like, all right, well, what battery do you have that fits? Hundred and seventy nine ninety nine. Hundred and seventy. Of course. Hundred and sixty five ninety nine. That's what it was. It's like ah. plus the core. I'm like, well, I have the core here. He's like, all right, cool. So no core. You guys don't have a BJ's but, or Costco membership, do you? We have a Costco membership, but the battery's also $175. The same money. So I bought the Walmart battery for $165 because I was there and I was annoyed. And it is what it is at that point. Thankfully, the way Walmart does batteries, which is the way everybody should do batteries, is there's an individualized barcode on the battery that's tied directly to that battery, not to any customer or any car. So their $165 battery has a three-year replacement warranty. And you, as long as you leave that sticker on top, which I'm sure the first time it drives in the rain, it comes off. But anyway, the sticker on top is how you get the new battery. So that's good. So I actually put a little piece of clear cellophane tape over it just to make sure it stays in good shape. And I put the battery in the car. And if I have the car for three years, it needs a battery. I'm covered. So... Anyway, get the car, get the battery in the car. Car starts right up. I did skip the step where I took the battery out of a different car because I couldn't get the car to start even with a with a, a jump from another car. So I took the battery out of another car and kind of put it in there enough to make it fit real quick, and the car did start. So I knew it was the battery. It wasn't a weird issue with the starter. So I get the new battery in the car. Car fired right up. Everything's good. I then went to fix because the car still has those dumb fender mirrors on it because I haven't got new fenders yet. So the fender mirror on the passenger side was super loose and they're pretty useless anyway, but I thought I was going to lose the whole mirror on the road. So I went to tighten that back up and realized that one of the bolts had come completely out of it or one of the nuts, I should say, came completely out of it. I was like, all right, that's interesting. Well, I need to, you know, I have a whole set of metric hardware. I'll just throw a new nut on there with a lock washer and call it a day. Turns out somebody hacked these mirrors together. I don't know where they got them from, but somebody took them apart and put standard hardware in them. And the reason it loosened up, (laughs) right, so now I got to go to the parts store and buy a nut. And the reason it loosened up is because when they put it together, they broke out the factory studs and put just bolts in there. And there's nothing inside the mirror to capture the head of the bolt. So you can't, really tighten it up beyond whatever it wants to tighten. I just did a auditory forehead palm. Ugh. Yeah. So I don't know why somebody did that. That's why it loosened up. So I bought a stand. I you know, went to Home Depot and bought a little baggie of the correct size nuts and, and lock washers. I put it on. And when I put it on, I held the bottom of the, the, the through bolt with a pair of vice grips and used the ratcheting um, ratcheting wrench to tighten it the best I could. So hopefully it doesn't loosen up again. 
which is certainly a Mickey Mouse way to do things, but somebody screwed it up before I screwed it up and they hacked the crap out of them. So there's no way to fix them without buying new ones. And I'm not buying new ones because the plan is to not run them when I get new fenders. So the mirror is tightened up. The car did start. I drove the car to the pavilions car show Saturday night. No problem at all. So everything's good now. But all I wanted to do was get the 944 out. And everything in its way was dead, and everything became a project. And it cost you and, like two hundred bucks. And it cost me like no, it cost three hundred dollars almost because between the two hundred dollar battery, the few dollars worth of nuts and hardware, and a hundred dollar oh, uh, fuel pump for the Mercur, it cost three hundred dollars to pull the nine forty four out. And I even pulled the nine forty four out. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did. That was all. I think Thursday right, maybe or Friday night, and I just I was like, forget it, I'm done. Because I was planning on going, like I said, to the four till four Porsche morning and the car hadn't even been pulled out. I did start it just to make sure its battery wasn't dead. It did start, but I didn't take it out. I left it back there and I just I took the Eclipse out Saturday morning and just parked around the corner in a normal parking lot and walked over to the event. So it was frustrating. It was uh, $300 like that gone. But I guess it's part of having a fleet of cars, right? I guess I, I, I guess I signed up for this. Yeah, I don't know. Divide it amongst your 15 cars. I guess it's not that much money. Well, it is when you're unemployed. <laughs> That's the worst part of the whole thing. I don't have a job to make this money back up. So, nonetheless, it's all back together. Everything's good now, except for the Mercor. But at least it will be good. But the Corolla is good. I've been driving it. been happy. Everything's wonderful. I need to actually get those fenders and move along with that project but nonetheless it is what it is so that's the bad and new and good all wrapped into one i did one other project with naomi actually just before actually nope hold on before we get to that corolla currently doesn't move i I forgot a whole part so when i bought the car it had a lot of slop in the shifter I think I talked about this. There's yeah. a $245 short shifter kit you can buy. Yeah. Or there's the $13 worth of hardware you can buy to fix it. Did that ever show up? It just got here, yes. It came from <laughs> Indonesia somewhere. So it's here. Well, again, the car was drivable without it, so it wasn't the end of the world. So the car actually is in the driveway in pieces right now, but I just figured out how to get it apart. So it's all apart and should be together in the morning and we'll have reports back next week on whether or not that works and how much effort it actually was. So and if it doesn't work, then we're going to spend another $245 on a new shifter. So we'll see what happens, but it should hopefully work. It's a pretty simple setup. The hardest part was the shifter shaft that goes into the transmission is two pieces and it was difficult to get them separated because neither of them is hexed. So it's just two round, it's round stock into round stock. And you have to take off the top section of round stock because the bushings and stuff won't fit over it because it's wider. And taking that off was a bit of a nightmare because there's not any way to do it. I actually had to reinstall it in the car and use a pair of vice grips. So managed to get it apart, but it was not super simple. So that's why I haven't finished it yet because it took me like an hour to figure out how to get that stupid thing apart. So... That'll be reported on next week of how that worked out. So fingers crossed by tomorrow, that'll be all set. The final update is 
garage related in general. So it's the garage door. Do you have auto opener on your door? You don't, right? No, the ceiling's not high enough. Okay. So we have, uh, I think it's Garage Genie is the name, or Door Genie, or Genie Doors, or Isn't that just Garage like a Genie brand or something? I don't know. It came with the house. But one of the important things to remember here is to make sure you close your garage door. We live kind of near a busy area. I wouldn't say our neighborhood is bad, but crime of opportunity, leave your garage door open. There's bicycles and stuff that roll away pretty easy, right? Yeah. So we're pretty um, pretty on it when it comes to making sure the door is closed when we go inside. But twice in the past week, each of us forgot one time to close the door. Because the numerical pad next to the garage door has a 9-volt battery that died. Yeah, they were out. Yeah, we just hadn't changed it yet. And so you have to go in the house to close the garage door or walk through the kitchen and use the the hardwired ones on the wall on the back. But when you're working out front, you just walk inside and I have the you know wireless remote in the living room. So I forgot it one night and she forgot it one night. And the night that I forgot it, it was literally open from, I don't know, five o'clock in the afternoon. Five o'clock in the evening till like midnight. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, nobody did go by and take anything out because again, it is a pretty good neighborhood. But again, you never know, right? So we were both trying to figure out a way to make sure we don't do that again. Okay. Uh, it turns out that the security camera system that we use, kind of like the Ring doorbell system, we use one from a company called Wise. Yeah. They have a garage door opener set that has a camera in the garage. And you wire it into your garage door opener and you can open and close your garage door from your cell phone. Oh. And if your garage door is open, alert you if it's open, it will alert you if it's open for a certain amount of time. Uh So if the garage door is open for more than 20 minutes, it'll alert you and you can, you know, say, Hey, it's fine. I'm out here or, Oh crap. I better go close that garage. Oh, so actually right before podcast tonight, we just finished installing that. So that was actually super simple to install. Thankfully, we have power on the ceiling right next to the garage door motor because whoever installed it put a four bank of outlets in the ceiling. So it was very simple. You just plug it into the same wires that the garage door opener is already plugged into. It's like these little like super thin little wires. Yeah, it's like doorbell wires. Exactly like doorbell wires. So you put those in. You mount the camera to the ceiling and you close the door and you have this QR code that you have to stick on your door. It's like a oh, 10 the camera by 10. Looks for it. The camera looks for the QR code. Oh. So if the camera sees the QR code, it knows your garage door is closed. Oh. Yep. yep. Super slick. So it literally took us, I don't know, 45 minutes to install the whole thing. But now we have that added level of security of not only do we have this thing that tells us that the garage door is not open, <laughs> but uh, we also or... have a security camera in the garage that shows the whole opening of the door when it's open. So God forbid somebody does go in there, we'll have a nice clear picture of who it is. Or like when I came by and nobody was home and I didn't have a key, you could have just probably hit a button and let me in. Yeah. Yep. Could have done that. Because I'm... In... Yeah. We must be able to do it remotely because it goes into our Wi-Fi. Yeah. So it must. That's why you couldn't open it. 
Yeah, because I can log into the camera from away from the house, so we must be able to log into the system from far away. So, yeah, also a good call. Didn't think about that one, but well worth it. So I don't know if uh, you have security cameras or anybody listening does, but we bought so wise. It's W Y Z E. We bought them because they don't require a subscription and everything is done locally. And actually the reason we got wise in the first place is because they advertise a pet camera. So when we first got the puppy Cirrus in November of 21 and we were going to Massachusetts in December, January, we're going to be gone for like a week and we had our neighbor watching the dog, but we wanted to have a camera that we could see the dog with and make sure she wasn't getting in trouble. And the wise pet cam Actually, you can control it from your phone. It pivots, goes up and down, and you can talk through it. So you can, like, comfort your pets from 3,000 miles away. So we bought their pet cam and then looked into all their other stuff, and they have really neat stuff. So we have their security cameras and now their garage door opening software. So neat little setup. I'm a a huge fan, but now I can open and close the garage door without worrying about (laughs) not having it open or closed. So... Anyway, that's all my project car and project garage updates. Have you done anything cool. this week, Andrew? Um, not with cars, no. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope. Boats and motorcycles. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> no, nothing. I mean, it's it's the middle of winter for me, so I haven't. We were busy over the weekend, and I didn't get to do any car stuff. But. We did something else. Okay. New year, new project. Yep. Uh, not a car. Have, nope. Not a car. We've partnered with uh, Bradley Brownell and Rick Deacon. Yes. And a few other people. And we've started a website called Parked on the Block. So, do you remember the way Bring a Trailer was originally before it was an auction site? That's the same energy we're trying to go for here. Exactly. We felt that it was missing, especially with the volatileness of social media services like Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, Because a lot of people were like reposting cars they found for sale. Sure. We've, even, we've even talked about cars, cool cars for sale on here. Um, we thought the world needed a website for it with like actual enthusiasts writing the things. Yeah, we're not selling you any cars. We're just showing you cars that are for sale. And the and website's free. It's yeah, free to look at. That's the big that's the big difference. It's we are scouring right. the web for interesting vehicles for sale and just presenting them to you. And readers uh, are sending us on, stuff. <laughs> yeah, if you log on to the website, you can actually send us cars that you think should be featured and the world should see as well. So we can also do that. And we have We're not a, charging anyone for links. <laughs> nope, not yet anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. So the the whole, the whole premise is just to get enthusiast cars that might go under underappreciated or underwhelmed or just give you something to read when you're working quote unquote and looking for something to distract you for a few minutes just little quick little hitters nothing super deep and super technical just stuff we find interesting little facts about the things we find interesting 
I know today yeah. I posted up an ad for a Datsun 521 pickup, and there yep. was an ad for a Matra Moreno. I don't know how to pronounce that one. So look at everything. It is uh, a reflection of all the writers' tastes in whatever they post. There's really, we told anybody that is is writing with us to just post what you like, just yep. be passionate about it, write the way you want to write about it. We're not just doing these like recycled posts you'll sometimes see on other sites where they basically like almost copy what the text is from like the the auction ad. Yeah, like, there's repost no it. There's no copy like paste. It's it's our true opinions, our true thoughts about these vehicles. And if you don't get enough of our opinions and thoughts once a week for an hour, then you can read about them every day. And it's not just us. Like I said, it's it's also our friends Bradley, who's been in the podcast a few times, and Rick, who helped start Radwood, and a couple other friends have joined along and done some writing. So everybody's on there, and we're having uh, we're having we're having fun with it, and we hope to continue to have fun with it, and we hope to present some cars out there and. Who knows, maybe you'll find a deal that you never would have found without looking there. Like I said, that Datsun 521 I posted today is actually off my local Craigslist. So if you live in Iowa and are looking for a Datsun 521 or just anything, you would never have come across this truck. And and here it is, you know, for sale, ready to go. And there'll be project cars and sports cars and utility vehicles. And there's, there's what was the Outback slogan? No rules, just right. Yeah. So we're kind of we're running on the Outback slogan: no rules, just right. If if we like it, we're posting it, and if you don't like it, move on to the next story. I just posted because so. um, we're oh, we, I mean, we talk real quick about Dakar, um, but Dakar is happening, and there is a yeah. obscure Italian website, car for sale website, with like two sentence description about Andrew Cowan's nineteen eighty four. Uh, third place Paris Dakar Piero. Yeah, I love how there's two sentences, and it's like one of the most significant Mitsubishi's for sale ever. <laughs> for equivalent of eighty thousand American. Yep. This is the deal. Yeah. If, if it's fully I had, restored, if I had the money, that would be in my collection immediately. And so if cool. I had the money to buy that, I'd probably have the money to do the Dakar Classic, which is basically a TSD. Yep. In the desert. In that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very cool. Obviously, Andrew and mine's posts are going to be Mitsubishi heavy because that's who we are. But we're also trying to not I get some infinities teed up. Yes, you, of course. Of course. I get some Volvos. I, uh, I don't. I have a Mitsubishi teed up right now, so that'll be going live tomorrow. So. But going back and uh, talking about cars for sale. We usually do our uh, Starion Conquest Market Watch. Have you yeah. seen the latest one, Andrew? I did. Actually, I saw it because it was shared in our Discord by StarQuest Pilot. Yep. So, again, so come join the in Discord. Mecham Kissimmee. Kissimmee? Kissimmee. Kissimmee, Florida. Mecham. Yeah. Kissimmee? Yeah. Kissimmee. 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 Kissimmee, man. Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Nope. Anyway. It's, it's Kissimmee. So, it Mecham Kissimmee, they sold an 89, nope, 88, so not even the super rare year. Okay. Starion in yeah. white over beige. Okay. With 56,000 miles. Right, pretty low mileage. It's fairly low miles. The car is clean. Yep. It's not show car clean. Okay. It's very nice driver clean. 
Okay. For a new world record price. Yep. Of $40,000. Wow. Now, I don't understand. Wasn't there a lower mileage one on Bring a Trailer? Before this, I drew less than that. I think 80. I'm sorry, sorry, 80. 30 was the number. 35, maybe. For an 87, 88. The number wasn't 40. So this is a new record. Um, It's not the nicest one that's ever been on the market either. So it doesn't make a ton of sense. I don't understand why it went for so high. The only assumption I have is that you have Sorry, somebody a, who has a lot of money. Was it Starion or Conquest? It's a Starion. Oh, so it's not even like some Mopar guy. Yeah. Some. Well, the weird thing is the Starions seem to draw more than the Conquests. Huh. Doesn't make much sense, but they no. do. So... Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really understand. The only thing that makes sense to me is that somebody who wants to buy a Starion, or two people apparently in this case, that want to buy a Starion, say, "Well, I have tons of money, and if I overpay for this car by ten to fifteen grand, what's the difference?" Yeah, I guess. So, the according to Classic, the most recent Starion. Sale that's the most the highest iron sale prior is 20, which wow seems wrong because that doesn't seem was, was it on a conquest? No, it could be made wrong. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, the $31,000 car was a conquest. So I don't know, I don't understand. I'm not going oh. to, uh, I don't even remember where it was, but our friend Alex Grabau sent me a link to one somewhere for sale. It was a red one. Uh, that wasn't an auction site, but the asking price was 30k. Okay, and I was like, I had mentioned it back in the message, I was like, Yeah, 15 years ago, that was a five thousand dollar car. 15 years ago, it was, it was like an 80, car. it was like an 80,000 mile red conquest. Do you remember my first red conquest? It was like three grand, the, right? The really super clean one, yeah. Do you know how many miles were on that car? It was like. 60 or 80, wasn't it? I bought it with 60,000 miles on it. I sold it with like 70 for $2,800. And I sold that car to buy my house. So what year was that? 2009? 2008? So uh, Maybe it was 2009, yeah. Yeah, I bought, I bought the house in 2009. So I sold the car to buy my house in 2009. So at $2,800. And I sold the car with a fresh turbo and in the trunk, I had a brand new in the box still like the last one in the world. I found three piece factory air dam in the yeah. box, freshly refinished wheels. Like the car was zero rust car. It was a really, really nice car. Had I known back then that selling it for $2,800 to help get my, you know, down payment money from my house, I probably should have just kept it and held on to it because not that I'd even be selling it now, but I can't replace that car now. You know, that car was very nice and it's crazy to me that I sold it for less than $3,000 because I think it had 70 K on it. So it is what it is, right? Yep. It sure you is. Never, you, you never, you never know until later. And I always say that I buy the wrong cars, but sometimes I sell the wrong cars too. So, 
life goes on. Yeah, a, a very similar white conquest sold on Bring a Trailer was seventy something thousand miles for twenty two grand not that long ago. So this forty thousand dollar car just doesn't make any sense. But even twenty grand seems like a lot of money for a Starion. So I don't think now I would they still list the sold price if the sale isn't completed? <sighs> now you're bringing up a point here, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, some places will, some places won't. Yeah, so it we don't know if this was actually the site. finished. If, if money I'm sure was it was. Changed. I'm sure it was because a lot of these live auctions are monies in hand pretty quickly. Okay. So I do know that like your Infinity, for instance, was sold on cars and bids and it's still listed there as sold, is it not? Probably. Yeah. So some of the online websites are not exactly forthright with their uh, completed versus fallen apart sales. But I think a lot more of the, the on the, a lot more of the in-person auctions are a little more forthright with that. So I don't know. It's crazy money. Is it a new precedent or is it a one-time thing? I guess time will tell, right? We're going to have to wait and see. But it just means it's going to be that much harder to replace my missing Star Hands and Conquests. Because mm. I uh, I do miss driving one. They're they're one of my all time favorite cars. So time to start looking, I guess. <laughs> all right. So to recap, go check out parkedintheblock.com. Yes, please do. Hit us up for an invite to the Discord if you want to come hang out. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Racenanger. I'm on Twitter as Racenanger. For the podcast, Auto Off, Auto Off Topic Podcast on Instagram. There is a part on the block Instagram. It's not, we don't have any content on there. We're going to add some. Yeah, I'm not There's sure why a... we're not posting each car on there. we got to figure that out. Okay. We haven't talked about that, but yeah. Yep. Uh, we'll there's there. a part on the block Twitter. And um, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at TSISS350, and they can follow us also on Scale Autocast and the Auto Off Topic pages everywhere as well. So all those good places, and they can now find my posts also on Part of the Block. That's right. I think in even one of my posts, I said you were the auction price expert for Part on the Block. So, Oh boy, that's a lot to live up to. Oh, I'm still looking for an inexpensive car. If anybody has a $2,000 or less car for sale in either the Phoenix area or the Boston area, I need to uh, pick up a car for my kid. So that's still on the hunt. So just a little self promotion, not promotion, but looking for a cheap car. All right, cool. So as always, keep cars analog and aim for the road.